Hello, and welcome to the Aseret Podcast, where we learn about character, kindness, wisdom, and values from living examples of inspiring people. In this week's episode, I speak with David Kaufman about the second Debear and its relationship with the world of addiction. David is a warm and outgoing Canadian certified addictions counselor, running groups and supporting individuals who struggle with all types of addiction at Jack's Toronto, the Jewish Addiction Counseling Service. Please consider donating. See link in the show notes. I learned a lot from David. He taught me that at its core, the addict is often trying to fill, quote, a hole the size of God. It is not about the drug of choice, as he calls it, but about the deeper purposes and functions it serves. For many, the journey of recovery involves filling that hole with, quote, meaning, spirituality, godliness, and holiness. Join our conversation and learn about how addiction relates to the second bear and how we can all learn to find God in all the right places. Rabbi David Kaufman, thank you very much for coming to speak to us today. I appreciate this, Micha. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm not even going to ask you a little bit to introduce yourself. I'm sure when I go through the intro later, I will mention this is what you do. This is what comes to mind, etc., etc. But the first reason, the first thing I like to do when starting at this interview is to speak the words of the Deber that we're going to be talking about. So, Lo hiyelecha Elohim acherim al panai. Lo saaselecha fesel vechot muna asher b'shamayim mimaav asher be'aret mitachas v'asher b'mayim mitachas la'aretz. Lo sishtacha velahem velo saavdeim ki enochi adonai lohecha el kana poked avon avos albanim al shileishim v'al ribeim lesonai. Understood him because it really does imply that there's a level where we create create the relationship and we define our God. And his answer was, Rashi has one way of understanding God. The Rambam has another way of understanding God. The Ramban, you know, and everyone really does have their way of, of getting it, right? How we relate to God, what does this mean? Well, it depends on what, what hashkafa you, you, you're, you're bringing to this relationship. So you read a sentence in the Chumash, and wow, who's interpreting it? Who's whose God are we talking about? And I don't mean Acherim, right? I mean, you know, just the, the God we're talking about, the God of the Torah. What what is this? And so it gets just from the from the get go. It's it's very complicated. You know, I I, I run a men's group every day. Um, Tell us about what the men's group is for. It, it's a a group of men who come together, and we have I would say about twenty. 20 men who are there several, at least several times a week, if not every day. Uh, we meet for an hour, 11 to 12 Eastern Standard Time in Toronto. Uh, we meet on Zoom. And they're coming to talk about their recovery. Recovery from addiction, whether it's addiction from cocaine, alcohol, uh, cannabis, uh, pornography, sex, uh, food, and gambling. Uh, money is really about trying to feel, uh, for one, one level, I mean, there's many ways of looking at it, about trying to feel alive, trying to feel in control of your life. Um, alcoholism is not a love of fine wine. It's often trying to numb oneself from difficult experiences. We, we have an acronym for the word fear. Face everything in recovery and recover, or F everything and run. Right, so you, you can do either. So addiction is not about drugs and alcohol. We we don't even we don't even talk about drugs very much because we refer to it as drug of choice. I mean, what is the thing that you use to avoid 
life, to numb yourself, to uh, anesthetize, to deal with your fears. Um, I mean, then there are universal fears, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, fear of unknown, fear of feeling out of power, fear of pain, the fear of meaninglessness. I mean, you, we can go, and, and they're, you know, they're pretty universal. And everyone's got to figure out how to deal with those things. And the difference is that I'm generalizing, but I, but it's important. It's important to understand the generalization because there's a real truth in it. Um, we say that the addict is somebody who is trying to fill the hole, the size of God within themselves with their drug of choice. But the only thing you can fill the hole, the size of God with is meaning, spirituality, godliness. Know, holiness or whatever that might mean to you, right? The first point that you made, which I found very interesting, is that, of course, oh. there is a revelation that says, Lo yelecha Elohim panai, don't have other gods. But implicit in this is, okay, don't have other gods, but even your own relationship with God is, a is in some way a subjective experience, your understanding of religion, your understanding of faith, there's a part of the of the work of recovery that you're mentioning where it says just put your faith in God the way you understand him. But at the end of the day, it's put your faith in something. Put put it in God. That was what I thought the first point you were making was. Yeah, and I guess, it, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 I remember why I brought it up because uh, one of the men today was talking about the difficulty he had with halacha as he became, well, as he got into recovery from, uh, from his addiction because he had always thought that God was up there with his lightning bolt, you know, or, or modern version of his lightning bolt, you know, waiting for him to make a mistake on Shabbos or to say something incorrectly or use God's name in vain some way or, you know, he had understood it. And it was a really punitive relationship. Um, and so his God of God's understanding really had to change and he had to find something that made sense you know, and I think, and I think that that's why you know, even today, uh, I mean, I don't know what's going on in the cure of world today, but uh, in the past, you know, it was a lot about God is God is there to love you, and God celebrating you, and God loves your uniqueness and supports you, all those things, right? Because everyone, not everyone, but so many people have grown up with, grew up with a really punitive version of God. And um, it's, and I think it, and I understand why. I think it's really hard if you read the text of the Torah without commentary. It's really rough sometimes. I mean, we, you know, we, we are good at talking it away and explaining it and so on, but there is the text which is sometimes really rough. And and I think that's why you know my first thought about the, this the second commandment is really about figuring out. Well, it's true we don't want to make some artificial God of our, of our uh, you know, just giving us permission to do what we want. On the other hand, we need a God that makes sense to how we relate to godliness, to spirituality, to Shabbos, to holidays, and so on. Mm -hmm. So coming down and just, I want to hear a little bit about more about the men's group and the, and the meaning of that. There's a lot of people, you alluded to the fact that for addiction, it's not so much about the substance of choice, the the substance that has this seeming power over the person. It's about what they're trying to use the substance for and fill what you said is a godlike void. So how do you see in any way a relationship between 
The second Diber, Lo Yelecha Elohim Acherim Al Panai, and addiction, the process and the experience of addiction. Does anything come to mind for you when you think about those two together? I think my, the first thought that comes to mind is the idea that the addict is giving up is giving up everything for one thing, which is their drug of choice, their escape, their avoidance. I don't want to feel, I don't want to have to think, I don't want to have to go through the suffering. And and it's, and I don't want to minimize, I, I, God forbid that I should seem um, belittling those things because they are real. Uh, you know, I don't know, can't tell you how many guys I have who I work with, not just in the men's group, but outside of that as well, uh, who were molested by their rebbies or, or by teachers or authority figures and so on, they, they have real reasons to, to want to numb themselves and not feel, right? Especially when, when those people were supposed to be representing godliness. I always tell the rabbi in Toronto, when I've seen him, I said, you, you have the hard, one of the hardest jobs in the world because if you walk down the hall and don't smile at somebody or say hello, it's as if God didn't do it. Right? They know it's you're not God, but you know what? You represent God. And there's no way you can get around that. Intellectually, you could try to talk it out. But emotionally, the rabbi didn't say hello. The rabbi didn't visit me. That's, oh my God, that's really hard. You know? So um, the addict gives up one thing, uh, everything for one thing. And then the healing is the exact opposite, which is giving up the one thing, the escape, to really embrace everything. To have their life back. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to the whole the acronym of fear and so on, which is really being willing to feel the fear, the feel the fear, and embrace life within the fear, within the possibilities. Right? Addiction says no, you can't do it, and the trauma says no, you can't do it. You're not worthy. You know, you know, God didn't protect you. Whatever kind of things that go on in our brains when we're dealing with difficulties, right? And then there are people who are just born super sensitive you know i i can't tell you how many guys told me um you know the first time i i had a drink i was at a bar mitzvah whatever it was and and i drank that thing and it was this i knew my life was different from now on like their reaction their physical reaction their bio, biological emotional reaction to to the drug was profound you know i don't have to worry i can feel differently i don't have to work at um you know, being spiritual, it just comes by drinking this. And truth is, it does the first time or two you do it. But then as with all with all artificial, um, artificial spirituality, then you got to pay the price. Right? And then you got to figure out how do I do this? You know, and, you, and what most people are doing is chasing the high, they're chasing that moment. Do you remember that time we were at the hotel, and we were davening and we felt so so on and so on. And then the rest of your years, you're trying to catch that one time at the hotel when, when it was a gift or it was that moment that happened. It's not like that many times. You've got to work at it. You've got to, you've got to earn that, that spirituality, that growth. In, in that process, you mentioned that people are anesthetizing themselves from, their, from things like the fear of losing control, the fear of... What what are, what are some of the fears you mentioned there? The f- fear of rejection, fear of feeling judged, feeling fearing different. Right. Fear fear of being ourselves, being authentic. You know, what are people going to say if I if I show up to shul with a blue shirt instead of a white one? Right. I, I don't mean to demean it, but but it really is kind of the world we often live in. 
Mm-hmm. Right? If, I, that if, I, if I have the courage to be myself, to say, this is what, this what God means to me, this is, this is what I relate to, and your community doesn't see it that way, are you willing to step out and say, no, this is, I, I need to live like this, I need to, it's not easy. Right? And, and I mean, I work with Muslims and Christians as well, and, and lo and behold, they have the same struggles, right? You know? The being anesthetized from the fears, right. you could make the argument that, and again, we're not trying to belittle anything about addiction. You know, I work in the mental health field, and I know the, the pain that, that comes with that and, and the difficulties and the challenges that come with that. But with Avodah Zara, a lot of it, we don't understand it so much today, the, the, what it meant. But for a lot of people then, it meant stability and control. The ability to have control over the experience. These gods are going to keep me safe. This thing is going to keep me safe. This type of worship, touching this thing with this thing at, at this moment, all kind of to almost anesthetized. I keep saying that word. It's a very hard word to, to, uh, to deal with all the fear. Yeah. It's to have faith in something tangible that you can measure and look at and, and have direct like experience from. Spirituality that you can control. Yeah. No, no, there was less of an, as I understand it, there was less of a known, there was a less of an unknown factor. I mean, I don't remember the Gamora who it was, but he, they were making fun of, of uh, one of the kings who uh, was engaged in Vodazara. And in the in one of the, the rabbis, went, uh, in his sleep, the, the king came to him in his dream. And he said, had you been around that time, you would have, we walked to the Vodazara, but had you been around, you would have run. <laughs> Right, he said, we, 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 you know, we tried to, but it was really hard to, to, to fight against, right? And, and that's, and that's, you know, going back to being authentic, uh, authentically ourselves, it, it relates to that. It's hard to be authentically your, your own spirituality and understand it and stand up for it and say, no, this is the way I, I understand this. And it's work, it's, it's work. But know? the thing that I, that's, a little confusing to me in, in trying to understand this is you're working a lot with people that struggle with substance use as well as, you know, sex, sex addiction and all sorts of things. Traditionally, these powers are not meant to have independent power, but they are ways for people to experience God. Uh, if you think about the idea of having like Kiddush being wine of all things on the planet Earth, to sanctify the holiest day of the year, God's day, we're using wine. When you think about the injunction of, of human beings, for example, the male obligation to provide pleasure and that sex is not just about procreation, but there's sex for pleasure. And the experience of that pleasure is, is hopefully a signpost to something even higher and deeper. So it, it, to me, I'm trying to understand it's Loli Yelecha Elohim Achrim El Panai. Don't have other gods before you. There's all these, uh, whether it's Avodah Zarah as the clear cut understanding, but other things having power over you. These things like sex and money and alcohol, food, are so powerful to overtake our consciousness. But are, is there not a way to use them where they actually enhance the whole world experience of in, in, in relationship with God? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um... In terms of the, of the of the wine, the grape, the grape is a, is a is a symbol that appears. I mean, according to to some opinions, the fruit in the garden was the grape, 
right? And then you have Noah, Noah with a grape again. And then you have uh, the, 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 the jo Joseph and the prisoner with the grape, right? And you have the, the spies with the grapes. These, they keep on showing up, right? And then there's all these laws about grapes. <laughs> and, and, and Shemitah, it, yeah, there's definitely uh, you know, a fixation with this thing that has power possibly over us. The only thing that's interesting is that other than food and sexuality, um, you don't need alcohol. You can, you can do without it. There is a time when we have to say that something's just too dangerous to, to utilize. I mean, it's, it's, it's really funny when people are in early recovery, in their first year of recovery, uh, just before Passover, I'll get lots of calls from newly, you know, religious people saying, well, what about the four cups? Don't I have to drink four cups of wine? <laughs> and I say, wait, wait a second. You were stealing, lying, cheating, and so on when you were when you were doing alcohol, right? When you were you know, drunk, when you when you were alcoholic, and now you're getting religious on me. <laughs> so, but that's that's how the Yitzhahara works, you know. This this part of us that is really self-destructive, and and uh, you know it, it convinces. But I, I don't know. I you know we do say there are times when you just cannot transform something. It is not meant to be transformed for an individual. That is not your job. Your job is refraining from, right? A hundred percent. And that goes without saying that there, there are people that it's too much of an atomic bomb and should never be used. Um, and, that, and that's totally, totally fine, of course. But it is interesting that these powers of sex, of money, of alcohol, generally speaking, are for the general population, are given over with major cautionary yeah. notes major questions it's why you have extensive laws around sexuality and the use of money and giving 10 percent away of your money uh giving up some of money relinquishing it um sexuality has to be used in a certain way wine has to be used in a certain way it's not something that you it, you can just run after casually and maybe because there is a danger with these kinds of things that they will overtake you yeah and we saw that i guess with with shlomo hamelech um, in, in certain respects, if Shlomo Melech, you know, his under his relationship with with food or sorry, with 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 wealth and with women, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I guess there's just a cautionary tale that is is comes with the package with these kinds of things. Yeah, again, I think, you know, the way we look at addiction is that let's not make the mistake to think about sexual addiction as being about sex it's often more about intimacy and the fear of intimacy um, and, you know, being physically naked and, and emotionally naked in front of somebody is, it can be frightening, right? And if I don't feel comfortable about my, myself, about my self-esteem, about my ability to, to be a father, to be a husband or, or wife or whatever it is, mother, um, it will show up in different ways. And, you know, I know guys who they will hire uh, a zona and they just want to be held. You know, they're not interested in having sex. And, and what more powerful way of, of expressing that this is not what we think it's about, right? It's about that fear of intimacy and wanting intimacy, but knowing how to approach it. So our conversations are not, you know, one of the things that that uh, the men's group, you know, that we do is that we talk a lot about our, our own issues and share openly. And, and it's really amazing because we have, I mean, 
as I said, we have a core group of men, but lots of other men who, who show up, uh, you know, once or twice or a week and, or, you know, and one of the first things everyone says is when they, their first attendance, I've never been in a, a group of men who have been so honest about their lives and about their feelings that here, you know, one of our graduates, I mean, I don't know if you can call it that, but one of our graduates once a number of years ago in another country, he called me up, he said he had been walking with some of his, some of the, his fellow students, and he had mentioned something about the struggle he has with his eyes. And they kind of looked at him like, you know, we, we don't talk about these things. You know, and, he's, and he was used to being so honest that he uh, said, no, we, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about our lives, you know, being struggles and, and also celebrations when you do, when you face that stuff. And who needs to feel alone in, in their struggle? About the power of these substances, what they can do, how you can use them, but it's not about that when it comes to addiction. Yeah. It's about, it's about the things that are being avoided, the feelings that are really needed underlying that. So it's not about the sex addiction. It's about the deeper needs, like being held by somebody and feeling seen. Intimacy. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the play on the word intimacy is into me see, right? Intimacy is being okay with, again, back to that word authentic, to, to be authentic to oneself. And if you can't do that, if you if you feel you're not lovable because you're not A, B, or C, or D, you know, well, that's really, that's heavy. You know, what do you do if you're a student who who has trouble learning disabilities or not skip learning, it just doesn't learn very well, you know, it can't win that the school prize. What do you, what does that child or adult do then? You know, is there a place for them outside of that, that realm, outside of that way of seeing uh, success in life, right? The question that comes to mind for me about that is you have a clear underlying explanation. For example, I work with people that do a lot of destructive, a lot of problematic behaviors that they know they have to stop. So the baseline that we have to get them to is you have to stop. You have to sur meira, turn away from the evil. That process of turning away from the evil is the deepest and hardest thing to do. Once you stop doing that, you're going to feel the void. The void will come. Before you assay tov and do something good, you have to turn away. So these people that have this underlying, let's say, holy need for something greater, at the same time, they're doing something potentially horrible, either to their body, to by by destroying their body with alcohol, either or or by you know committing adultery. And of course, you can understand the story and have compassion for how they got there. But how do you both see? the deeper needs underlying that, the search for God, meaning transcendence, while also saying, wait a second, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing, you have to stop what is destroying other people in yourself. How do you, how do you balance that? First, people know, you know, shame is a huge, shame and guilt and, and are huge in terms of early recovery, right? You don't have to tell somebody that they, that they should stop drinking, you know, 99% know, or adultery or whatever it is, you know, that this is this is a mess, their, their lives are not in the right. So telling them just exacerbates the, the guilt and the shame. You know, they're there because they, and that's one of the wonderful thing, I'll tell you, it's interesting. Let me just clarify yeah. what I meant. What I meant was that the first step that you do, they, of course, they're here, they want to get better, they know it's wrong. 
but you have to try and separate them in order to have, think clearly and help them get, they have to have a plan of separation, a, a, a plan of separation. They obviously, of course, anybody's welcome. I'm sure to the group, no matter where they are. And so, you know, what's this is, and this goes back to the intimacy issue. One of the most powerful things, this is why groups are, are so, um, so amazing. One of the most powerful things is, is it's 1230 at night, you have a desire to use. And instead of trying to use your willpower, which is very poor uh, way of trying to change oneself, you know, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. We call it white knuckling because you're holding on so tight, your knuckles turn white, you know. Uh, that's, that's a very short-term plan to do that. Um, but instead, you, you call up one of the 20 guys or the 50 guys in your, in your circle, and you say, one of the guys, hey, hey Joseph, I'm, I'm really struggling. And Joseph's there for you because he knows he's been there, done that, and he'll sit and talk with you for you know, 20 minutes until you, you feel more stabilized. Wow. That form of intimacy and love is much more powerful than the high you get with drugs. I'll tell you a story. I, I, I love some of the stories. I, I, uh, the names are changed, so, you know, whatever. Uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, the same men's group. Um, one of the guys, we'll call him Joseph. Joseph shows up late to the men's meeting. Normally, the meeting was 11, is 1130 to 1. And he shows up at 12, 1215 or something like that. He walks into the room and it's a lot of chairs and a lot of guys and he sits down in the back and I, and I look at him and there's something different about Joseph today, right? His eyes are aglow. And so I, you know, call Joseph, what's going on? You know, and, and he says, he tells the group, he says, you know, I was asked to distribute some, uh, some boxes for Pesach for, for people who needed food for Pesach, matzah, whatever it was, wine. And, um, he figured it would take him, I guess, whatever, <laughs> I'm getting stuck on the details. It would take him an hour to do this, right? And so he figured he would he'd leave an hour before the meeting, drop off the boxes, it would take him five minutes each, and then, and then come to the meeting. And he said the first house he got to, there's an elderly couple there, and he knocks on the door, and they, they welcome him in. He brings the boxes, and they say, would you sit down and have some tea with us? Okay, he figures, okay, I, won't, I can make up time, no problem, sits down, and they tell him his life story, right? And, you know, there's, it's a nice interchange, and he, 15, 20 minutes later, he leaves. Every single house that he goes to, the same thing happens. They invite him in, they want to talk, because they've been alone, it's in the winter, or whatever, and, and he shows up at the meeting, you know, an hour later, whatever it was, and he said to the group, he said, you know, I have had wine, women, fast cars, lots of money, gambled away half a million of this. And he said, but I've never felt as high as I do now. You know, and, and that's what intimacy, that's what living a spiritual life, that, that is healing. And that stuff, that will, that will replace the drug of choice. You know, that is the whole, the size of God, that when you do, it fills that space. And so our coming to or giving to chacha, to somebody who's struggling is, is really very ineffective. Our love, our bringing out their, their beauty and their uniqueness and celebrating their, you know, the way they see the world. And, and that, that, you know, that is powerful stuff. Nurturing that is, is healing. I think when you look back at the first Dibir and you see them together, I'm Hashem, your God who took you out of Egypt. 
And part of that we know is to be like, we're, we're meant to be like the God who brings other people out of Egypt. And so maybe there's, of course, not having other gods before us and, and focusing as, as best as possible on the purest forms of pleasure, whether that's through a relationship with God, whether that's through helping people, etc. But the more you engage in the act of being like God by doing for others, by being there for other people, by connecting with intimacy, what is more intimate of relieving someone from their suffering, that brings you to the higher level of connection. And then maybe the other sources the, the lower levels, so to say, just kind of lose their power over you. Yeah, that's like a resonance. Like if you have two guitars in a room and you pluck the E string of one guitar, the other one on the other side of the room will vibrate, right? Because it's on the same frequency. And so if we are on the frequency of godliness, so to speak, we, we attract that beauty and that power and that, and that humility and, and joy and celebration and, and so on. So this, conver- this part of the conversation, trying to understand the second D-Bear, try to understand what it means not to have other gods that we place before us, how this relates to addiction, all sorts of questions, maybe some more questions than answers. But the key thing that I think we're getting at here is the need for closeness, the need for real closeness, for real relationship, not, you know, not silver and gold, let's say, so to speak, that can't be the main source of sustenance. And if we don't find true higher sources of sustenance through real relationships, authentic, intimate, close, vulnerable relationships, we're going to run after it and try to find it in other ways. And it's going to keep us in, in a, a state of stuckness. And, and he, if, if you'll allow me, um, in terms of marriage issues, you know, sometimes halacha becomes its own avodah where we think that that's going, to subs- that's going to force or generate the intimacy and we use that as a way of avoiding, avoiding the things we need to do because we're quoting, you know, verse and, 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 and whatever it is, you know, it's, uh, I've seen it numerous times when, when it is used, for example, to prove your point, to get your way, a husband will quote halacha this and that, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember Mark, I, I, I do recall Rep Berkowitz saying once it can be a form of emotional abuse and I don't want to. You know, I'm scared of quoting, but I, I love Rob Berkowitz anyway. But uh, what's wrong with Rob Berkowitz? Oh, nothing. I, I'm afraid to quote him. I, I'm afraid I misquoted it. Oh, I, oh, 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 okay. But uh, I'm, you know, I feel comfortable saying it. You know, but, but that was the quote. Um, you know, because it's a, it's a way of using Torah as a spade to get your own way, mm-hmm. and that's and what you're really avoiding is is having to think deeply and and to understand your spouse and, and to, to, you know, come to an, a deeper level of relationship. And instead, you just throw up this wall of halacha or whatever it might be. You know, we have to do it this way when truth is there's a lot of leeway depending upon the relationship. And each relationship has a different need and that needs to be honored as opposed to maybe a more detached, non-living way where it's, it might be that what you've heard, but you know, the more you learn about what a posek is, somebody who gives over Jewish law, the more you know how much they have to be very sensitive to, this, to the human spirit that they're speaking to and yeah, how they I, interact. Yeah, when I first started practicing addiction work, um, I would tell, tell people that on Shabbos, if you have a desire to use, you know, use your drug, lift up the phone, call, call your sponsor or call, call somebody. If you need to, in worst is worst case scenario, get in the car and drive to a meeting. You know, if that's what you need, not to use. And when I would say that originally, people would uh, 
would say, Achas v'shalom, you can't do that. And now we understand. I, I, you know, it's very easy for me to explain. People say it's yeah, tukach nefesh. Get into a car, do what you need to do. I mean, obviously, you know, people they're respectful, but because that's you know that's spirituality at that moment. That is that is Shabbos. Keeping Shabbos is you know staying alive and, and respecting. You know, enough said on that. But uh, no, well, there are very well. I just spoke to people. We'll hear this one coming up a little later when we get to Lotir Tzach. Uh, with Rabbi Ravioni Rosenzweig about uh, being a posseik in the age of mental health, uh, right. which is a very, very, very sensitive thing to be able to do. So the second part of this interview that I want to engage with you in is the, that Chazal, uh, in, especially because, so to speak, they killed idolatry uh, at some point. When the end of Nevuah, we lost idolatry the way we know it. There's an equation between the Yetzir Hara, following the Yetzir Hara, whatever the Yetzir Hara may be, and Avodah Zarah. So we see all the way back in, in Shabbat, uh, I think it's Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, and I'll read it in English, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, one who rends his garments in his anger, or who breaks his vessels in his anger, or who scatters his money in his anger, should be like an idol worshiper in your eyes, as that is the craft of the Yetzir Hara. Today it tells him do this, and tomorrow it tells him do that, until eventually when he no longer controls himself, it tells him, worship idols, and he goes and worships them. So there's a part of the inner experience, an emotional experience here in this example. It's like a, it, they look at it like it's an Elohim, an Elohim Acherim in some way. What, when you hear this, I, this equation of Avodah Zarah and the Yetzir Hara, what comes to mind for you, especially in the work that you're doing with addictions? Well, there's a, the, 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 the verse in, in, in the Mariv, right? The Satan, right, is you know in English the Satan, but uh, I think as as it, I was taught, it, it represents a block. Stop this block before us and after us, right? What what's what does that mean, right? So one of the explanations um, is that when we are going towards something good, it gets behind us and tries to force push us and, and make us go over over um no, it's the other way around well it actually works both ways because it, 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 it does work that way i remember once i had a young man who came to see me um and he walked into my office and he said you know where i was this morning it was a new baltruva and um i said nowhere and he said i went to the mikvah and i said that's really nice but don't do it again Right? Because it's going to burn you out. It's really exotic right now and it feels really spiritual. But, you know, come winter, mid February in Toronto, <laughs> I'm sorry, you weren't born above a her. <laughs> and, and I actually did ask the Rosh Shiva the Bob and he said, great, great advice. <laughs> so there's this thing. That, and again, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the lack of authenticity where I think I can put on a hat and a, and a, and a strimal or whatever it is and I will be something else, you know, it, it's, it's this, uh, that we're not, we're not enough, you know, that we are not enough unless we change something that is artificial to us. It's that, I guess that, that, that falseness, that false spirituality, the gold and, and the sex, and the, that's going to change us. That's going to fix us when they're, when they're only possibly, possibly a means to, to, to growth. As you, you were alluding to earlier, you were saying earlier, sexuality has, has a potential for a lot of intimacy, 
but if it's not used properly, it's it's just massively destructive. Same thing with money, right? This this avodazara. Um, I just when I think about the process of you know start having something have power over us, whether it's anger, anything else, it starts. I I always think about the the experience of God and Pharaoh that at first there's choices to make. At first we have choices. Pharaoh has some choice around, should I let them go? Should I not let them go? But the deeper we build that pattern of Yetzir Hara, the deeper we build this negative destructive pattern, at some point we almost relinquish the power or we perceive that we've relinquished the power. Is that how you understand the experience of I know that there's an inner mechanism. We've talked about the deeper needs, what's really happening. But in the process of losing power over something. Well, let me answer you from, from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, please. When, when I believe that I'm the interpretive, if I, if I believe that I'm in control of the world, right, it's a form of a votazara. You know, one of the guys in, in the men's group was, was saying the other day that when Again, I just use the name Yosef. When, when I think the, the world should be running according to Joseph's plan, things start falling apart. I get angry at the world because it's not doing it according to Joseph's plan. And the, my boss doesn't do this, and I get, you know, and then I become angry at my spouse and, and, and you know, the whole world because I'm, I'm supposed to be running the, the, the show. So I'm going to read you something from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please. It, anyone who has been in the program of 12-step program of recovery which is one of the modalities that we use um, for recovery and you say porch page 417 they'll know exactly what you're talking about so i'm going to read you Please. From page 417 it's really brilliant and just to, to put in the context of what this is um this is in in the big book of alcohols anonymous you have the first hundred and odd pages, 190 odd pages, which is the basic text that was written in 1936 by Bill Wilson and edited by a group of uh, men, actually, um, to, to, it's their instructions to the alcoholic how to deal with it. Beautiful, beautiful. It, it's really a, an amazing book to read. Um, so in the page, in the back page, uh, page 417, is a bunch of, there's lots of stories people wrote about their own recovery. And this story, and this paragraph I'm going to read to you is the middle, middle of a story where a physician talks about his addiction and how he overcame addiction and how he stayed recovered. And he is talking, and, and in terms of the Avodazar that we were referring to as being that thinking I'm, 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 in, I'm in control of the world and, and you know, God is a sort of second, secondary thought. So this is what he writes, and I'll read it to you. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at that moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I can accept my alcoholism, lack of control, or my fear of of intimacy or my fear of rejection or failure, so on and so on. Until I accept that I had this, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life on completely on life's terms, I can't be happy. 
I need not to be concentrated so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Uh, before I came into this program, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. And then he goes on. It's a, it's a really beautiful, um, a beautiful t text talking about how he had to change his way he saw the world. And, and, um, but I think that's sort of the, the, the answer to perhaps one of the things you're referring to, the Avodah and this other power that's there. But the other power is us. <laughs> the other power is our belief that we, we should run the world and, and you know, my wife should be listening to me and doing things the way I want, you know, or, or you know, you know, or my view of spirituality and halacha is the only way and so on, you know, I, I, I'm not opposed, like I, I'm not, but I, I see it when it's destructive, you know, that people ask me about what Toronto, whatever, I'll skip that piece, but, you know, <laughs> you know I, obviously I, being in the work I have is I have a skewed view of, of, of different communities and so on, because it is the difficulties, but um, it is also the really, I should say the opposite, because it is the difficulties but it's also a wonderful celebration of life. I, you know, we have Jack's retreats. I work for Jewish Addiction Community Services in Toronto. And uh, before COVID, we would have these weekend retreats once, once every nine months or a year, it depends. And we would have rabbis and rabbitsons and guys with tattoos in their nose and, and you know, through their ears and, and guys with, with strimals and, they all sat together at the same table, all singing on Shabbos, all really appreciating each other's struggle in life and their growth and their spirituality. And, you know, uh, we would inv we, we invite rabbis to come to that so we, get, so we can educate them about addiction in their community. And everyone, every rabbi that I've had to come to these, these Jack's retreats walks away you know, saying more or less the same thing is that this is what it must feel like, what it will feel like when the time of Messiah, when people get together and love and respect each other. And it doesn't matter whether you're wearing a, uh, you know, a, a, a strimal or black hat or nothing, right? They're all loving each other and, and really just there to, to support each other in their growth, you know, and, and accepting as, you know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems sort of thing. It's really exciting. And, and uh, if you ever have an opportunity, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. You should come. They're they're really they're really cool. <laughs> it seems that a theme undercutting this entire conversation is, yes, there is substances that are of issue. There are things that we need to master. We need to learn how to handle our desires better, to have better self regulation, emotion regulation, control over behaviors, all the sort of things that are baseline and fundamental. But we also need to access the deeper wellsprings within us, our relationship with some sort of transcendence, our relationship with God, the way we understand, which may change That's you know, we, we don't understand it always the same way. We, when we're younger, we see God a certain way we can evolve, but something sort of transcended. And at the same time, something that is related to connection, intimacy, relationship, closeness, real conversation, vulnerability, these things themselves have a curative factor. I don't have other gods before me. Rather, be with the God who takes you out of Egypt and by that, and, and thus see the world through the lens of we need to be with each other. And people need to, in suf and if people are, God forbid, suffering, need to be connected 
to the world, to other people. Our goal, whether we are the ones being the relievers of suffering or being held by others. Either way, we really need that in order to hopefully lessen the power of the other gods over ourselves. Very nice. So I appreciate uh, you coming on and speaking to us a little bit about your relationship with the second D-Bear through the work that you do. Is there anything last minute that you want to say to anybody listening? Um, if you need help, please reach out. You know, there's so much, thank God there's so much available, whether you're in Israel or Toronto or New York. Um, you know, you can reach us at Jack's. It's the number in Toronto is 416-638-0350. You can ask for me or speak to whoever answers the phone and they'll direct you where there's help, whether it's in Toronto or New York or Jerusalem and so on. And that's all for today. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And we hope this episode has, in some small way, enriched your understanding of yourself, others, and God as you learn to integrate the Big Ten into your life. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening.